Good morning. It's March 29th. It's a sunny and tranquil morning in New York so far. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. We're in a bit of a news trough at the moment. Most of the coverage seems to be follow-ups on stories that were already in the news and or previews of things that are going to happen at some future date. The Nashville school shooting remains terrible and horrifying. The Times is reporting that the shooter had bought seven guns, despite their parents not knowing that they had any guns. They were 28, I guess, but they didn't seem like an especially independent living person. Because, once again, in this country, you can be extremely low-functioning and still be able to get military-grade murder weapons. The death toll from the fire at the Migrant Detention Center in Mexico has been revised down to 38 currently, from being more than 40 last night. CNN reports that the wife of one of the survivors told Reuters that the authorities kept the doors locked as the fire burned. In further retrospective news, Adnan Syed, a real human being, but also the subject of the very famous serial podcast, had his murder conviction reinstated yesterday by the Appellate Court of Maryland on the grounds that although prosecutors had withheld crucial evidence from his original murder trial, the family of his alleged victim was not given enough notice to attend the hearing in which his conviction was vacated in person, but had only spoken at the hearing on Zoom. The victim's family does not have any relevant information as to whether or not the prosecutors withheld the material from the trial. But in 1994, I was in the very lonesome 7.5% of Marylanders who voted against a victim's rights amendment to the state constitution, which I did specifically because the survivors of the victim of a crime do not have any useful information about whether or not the person who is being accused of the crime by prosecutors should be convicted. Their position exists outside the question of guilt and innocence, which is what the criminal justice system is supposed to determine. There's also the built-in message that if you kill someone who doesn't have a family that will come to court and call for more punishment for the killer, you've committed a less serious crime than if you'd killed someone who did have a family. So now someone can be de-exonerated, not based on any evidence, but based on whether everybody got the chance to express their feelings. The front page of the Times has a curtain raiser on next week's Wisconsin Supreme Court election, although you have to take the jump before the story gets around to telling you that the election is next week. That's not the biggest structural problem with the story, though. The piece holds forth on the idea that this campaign is awash in money and says, it is the latest evidence after the contentious recent confirmation battles and pitched decisions on the U.S. Supreme Court that judges increasingly viewed as political are starting to openly act political as well. But the reason that the money is flooding into this race in Wisconsin is not because of some perceptual shift in how Americans feel about the political role of the judiciary. It is because this is Wisconsin, where the state Supreme Court has used its Republican majority to lock in a heavily gerrymandered Republican majority in the state legislature for more than a decade, despite a state that is essentially split 50-50 between the two parties. It's a state where when a Democrat successfully wins the governorship, the permanently constructed Republican majority in the legislature simply strips him of his powers of office. The state's gerrymandered map is mentioned only once in the piece, in the 12th paragraph, and 
the idea that the state's maps are rigged is attributed to the Democratic-aligned Supreme Court challenger and not to the factual record of Wisconsin politics. And so the struggle for control of the substantive choke point for political control of a crucial swing state is reduced to a matter of vibes and the national mood. And the trend is that people are fired up about judicial races rather than the trend being that the judiciary has abused its power for more than a decade now. That's the news. Thank you for listening. Please support Indignity to keep us going. And don't let somebody else's mood dictate how your day goes.